The following episode of the Facts About Pax podcast was recorded just hours before we learned about the passing of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We join all Americans in mourning her passing. Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast, brought to you by NABPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NABPAC's Executive Director. Well, we are now in the 10-day window for the first presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Yeah, and we are now in the 45-day window to the election itself. Hashtag fact. Thank you, Jan. And that is longtime notable NAB Packer Janet Bain, who has graciously accepted our invitation to join the podcast this week while Abigail is on assignment. Thanks, Michaela. It's great to be here and be part of the number one pack podcast in America. You know, Michaela, it has been another incredible week in America. Devastation like I've never seen from Hurricane Sally and no end in sight to the wildfires in the West, and persistent confusion about the timeline for a coronavirus vaccine. It's almost unbelievable. The goalposts keep changing, the devastation keeps coming, but I do know that keeping up with the news is important, especially for all of us in the PAC space. And Adam, I wanna wish you and all of our Jewish friends and listeners a happy new year. Thank you, Michaela and Lashana Tova. Happy New Year to all who celebrate. You know, this marks the beginning of the High Holy Days. And according to the Hebrew calendar, we are starting the year 5781. Although I suspect I'll keep writing 5780 on my checks. But all right, ladies, we have a big announcement to share. That's right, Adam. Tell Siri to put this one on the 2020 calendar. It's the annual NABPAC post-election conference. It kicks off on Wednesday, November 11th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's right, Jan. This is our longtime election year signature event at NABPAC. And while we won't be at the breakers, we will be changing all of the rules. Day one is on November 11th, and our headliner, Charlie Cook of The Cook Political Report, will read out the hits, runs, and errors on election 2020 that we know about. Excellent point. You know, day one of our post-election conference, November 11th, is one week after election day for just that very reason. Who won? Who lost? Which party holds the majority in the House and the Senate in the 117th Congress? And who will lead America starting at 12.01 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, January 20th? Some or all of these important questions, Michaela and Jan, could very well remain an open question at that point. But what can be known will be shared, analyzed, and focused through the employee-funded PAC PRISM. And that really is why this is a virtual event in two parts, dedicated to answering the question, what comes next for the PAC community? And after day one, we take advantage of a virtual pause, just 20 days, until we reconvene for day two on Wednesday, December 1st. You know, with the benefit of clarity and distance from Election Day that that 20-day pause after the 11th is going to provide, Day 2 will showcase insights that all of us need to answer the fundamental question, what comes next for our industry and how we can best protect the transparency and accountability that sets our PAC industry apart. It really will be the first of its kind. And you, our listeners and members, will be hearing more about the post-election conference via email and on this podcast in the days and weeks to come. But for now, save the date, Thursday, November 11th at 3 p.m. I don't want you to miss it. Well, so great having you here with us today, Jan, and Mr. Belmar, if you please. 
The Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap this week's NABP activities, share actionable intelligence and best practices, all while connecting the PAC community. Thank you so much, Adam. You know, associations across the country have been impacted particularly hard by the pandemic and the economic downturn. And to be sure, stay-at-home orders have impacted every business. But the exclusion of certain segments of the nonprofit sector from relief legislation has been catastrophic. And many of our members are very well aware of the outcome. Our special guest today is Mary-Kate Cunningham, Vice President of Public Policy at American Society of Association Executives. Mary-Kate oversees ASAE's federal, state, and local advocacy efforts on behalf of 50,000 trade associations, professional society, and industry partner members. And as if that wasn't enough, Mary-Kate also oversees ASAE's Political Action Committee, APAC, and the Power of A program, which highlights how associations make America stronger in every industry and every state to improve the economy and society overall. With that, welcome to the Facts About PACs podcast, Mary-Kate. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. We know that this has been an incredibly busy and challenging time for you and your members. And as we all know, nothing like a crisis to motivate our members into action. Uh, as an ASAE member, we have signed on to the letters to the members of Congress, and we've taken action in all of your efforts. And I think you've been able to engage thousands of your members in this fight. Tell us about this remarkable effort. So this started with the treatment of associations differently from the rest of nonprofit organizations by Congress. And it, What's interesting is associations were included in the Paycheck Protection Program in the first draft of the program, and then we saw a new Senate draft that did not include associations. And we realized that there was a huge need to educate Congress about uh, the value of associations, what they do in every community, how they train the workforce, set industry standards, and really the hugely positive role we play in the economy and society. And that has been the driving goal of our fight. And we've seen some good effects. The C6 expansion of the Paycheck Protection Program has been included in the House package, uh, the HEROES Act. In both of the Senate packages we've seen, there's a lot of bipartisan support now, but really I think ASAE along with everyone in Washington is just waiting for a COVID relief package to get the political momentum to get across the finish line. So that's what we're focused on now. Additional sign-on letters to Congress, media, really trying to tell the story to outside audiences of the value of associations. You have 50,000 trade association, professional society, and industry partner members. How have you all flexed Mary-Kate during the pandemic and this work from home? Are you guys learning new things and, and executing new tricks or was the infrastructure there for you and your team to be able to navigate this pretty cleanly? I am so thankful for Microsoft Teams and all the technology that we deployed in the years coming up to this, but it, it really was amazing to go virtual almost overnight. And especially for government relations folks, we are used to being in 
the room where it happens or at the fundraiser where you get all of your actual information. So um, it's been, I think, hard for a lot of government relations folks. They say this is not the time that you want to be making new friends on the Hill. You really need to have those existing relationships. But on the other hand, I am surprised. We're working on a lot of new issues. One is the pandemic risk insurance program. That obviously didn't exist before the pandemic. So we've um, made a lot of new relationships on the Hill. And it is amazing how you can develop relationships without being face-to-face. It's something I wouldn't really have even believed in before this happened. Mary Kate, I've got a question for you. Tell me how associations are dealing uh, with events and um, fundraisers in this new COVID era. I feel like we're in such a new environment. A lot of the content we're producing for our members now is about how to pivot your meeting, trade show, conference to virtual. There are different tax implications that are nuanced as well. Also, how do you budget in this uncertain environment? We're seeing a lot more organizations provide not a one-year fiscal year to their board, but say, we're going to come back to you in three months because we don't know what it's going to look like. Also, the issues of insurance have been extremely complicated for a lot of our members, and we've tried to produce some webinars to help people wade through that. The issue of, do I have communicable disease coverage? Will I get covered? Even if you have it, there's a lot of issues with insurance. So to look at the bright side of the crisis, from all associations, we're just hearing people say, I need my association now more than ever. And that is great to be the place that people come to for best practices. I think our members are really shining right now. Mary-Kate, I think that's an excellent point. And truthfully, we're hearing the same from our members. How is this playing out at ASAE in your advocacy work? I think that government relations is something that you have to have so that you can use it when you need it. It's not something you can build when you're under attack. So really, we have a great team at ASAE and our success is also because our members are so connected. It's it's wonderful to have folks around the country who work with their leaders in their state house and in Congress. I hope that this is proving the case for a strong government relations function at associations and at organizations across the board. It's really, you know, the old adage is so true. If you are not at the table, you're on the menu. Absolutely. So let's talk PAC tactics. Is there anything new and and what continues to work for APAC? And have you been able to utilize the PAC in your overall strategic advocacy plan? No, I'm surprised the one positive of the switch to virtual is that we've been able to do some fun virtual happy hours that engage a lot of our members outside the beltway that normally can't come. So we've had cooking classes, cocktail making classes. We actually stole the company from the Blue Dogs. They had a great (laughs) virtual um, series. And that is so fun to be able to see on Zoom our members in Michigan and California and those types of places that sometimes I'm sure feel left out because we don't often have uh, local events in those states. And I think the PAC has also really helped us just be able to still be present talking to coalitions and members of Congress that are strong supporters of associations and remind them about what a critical time this is with the need to expand the Paycheck Protection Program to associations. I think there was a sense by some in Congress that associations are these big mammoth groups that will survive a downturn. And it quickly became clear that is not true. We used a lot of research to help try to tell that story, letting them know that face-to-face meetings are really the lifeblood of associations. So when that's taken away, there's a huge revenue problem. Hey, Mary-Kate, for us here at the National Association of Business Political Action Committees, we have been under attack 
many politicians have disavowed employee-funded PACs, and they've really denigrated those people who work for companies and are a part of them. So we've done this podcast, obviously now the number one PAC podcast in America, but our, our mission in addition to serving our members is to educate members of Congress and staff and the public about the facts about PACs. Do you agree it's critical that we protect the rights of employee funded PACs and associations to have their voice heard. Strongly agree. Uh, the free speech rights of associations to lobby and to support uh, PACs and elected officials is a huge issue for ASE. And I know we've worked together on this to try to address some of the FEC's prior approval requirements for trade associations. We are strongly in support, obviously, of PACs. And there is so much transparency that I think people, there's a People are not really aware of everything that we submit to the FEC on contributions. I think that showing that these are all individual contributions, this is not dark money. I think that's a big education effort that I know you're involved in. I really commend NAPAC's effort to fight for this issue, and so many of our members feel the same way. Mary Kay, we are looking forward to being able to partner with you and ASAE on those efforts, not only from the PAC side, but the lobbying side and the free speech impact, I think is so critically important for both of our members. And I think what a powerful combo it would be to have ASAE and NAPAC working together, uh, particularly once we see the outcome of the elections in November. I love it. It's music to my ears. Mary Kate. How will ASAE help members in the time after the election? Because you know our post-election conference is coming up. Uh, what are you all doing? I think that there are going to be a lot of questions after the election. We know that with mail-in voting, absentee voting, it's likely going to take longer to, to find the outcome of a lot of different races. It depends on the state. I think our ASAE's Government Relations and Advocacy Professionals Council is putting on a lot of great programming that I'm sure will help address this. We also have Inroads, which is our weekly policy newsletter, and we, we talk about a lot of related issues that's free to anyone as well. And I'm, yeah, I'm curious to hear what the NAPAC conference is going to discuss. Well, Mary-Kate, first, I just want to thank you, one, for joining us today in the midst of so much work that you were doing. I also want to thank you for taking on such a strong leadership role for the association community. I imagine you're not getting much sleep these days, but we all here at NAPAC appreciate all that you're doing for the association world. We will continue to help you in your fight, and we look forward to working together in the future. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much. I love this job. I love getting to advocate for associations. I really believe they make America better, safer, smarter. And thank you so much for having me today. A quick programming note, coming up next week, Shannon Imany, Senior Vice President, Head of Political Programs at Wells Fargo. Yeah, she's joining the broadcast and I can't wait, Michaela. She's doing great work at Wells Fargo. We've received a ton of feedback on our recent shows. Thank you to all of our listeners for that and making us the number one pack podcast in America. Until next week, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.